Admirals in general see national security in a bigger picture than just do we have a good military. Uh, in order for us to compete in this, this highly uh, specialized and complex world that we're in, we need a population that is healthy and that is very well educated to give us the economic competition uh, ability to compete economically. WIC is part of that. Mission Readiness is the organization of retired admirals and generals working to prepare America's youth for success. Join us as we talk with respected leaders about the challenges facing our next generation. And now, Mission Readiness National Director Ben Goodman and Mission Readiness Deputy Director Megan Adamczewski. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Mission Readiness Podcast. I'm here with Megan. Megan, how are you this week? I'm good, Ben. How are you? I'm not too bad. Uh, looking forward to a great conversation today. Yeah, this week we got to talk to two Mission Readiness members who've been very active for us, both nationally and in their home states of South Carolina and Georgia. So we're talking to retired Rear Admirals Bob Beasel and Casey Coyne. And they will be discussing the WIC program and telling us a little bit more about why they feel so strongly that we should be improving access to that program. That's right. And uh, it's a really great conversation. And look, we've had the opportunity to bring on a lot of really interesting guests. Um, these members are no exception to that rule. They're going to talk a little bit about their service and how they came um, to to want to volunteer and spend their time with mission readiness. Um, but it's part of a series we're going to be doing here on the program, doing a deep dive into uh, federal nutrition programs. We've talked a lot about broader themes um, and the bottom line of, of why addressing nutrition insecurity and child obesity is so important. Um, for, for national security. But we're also going to start talking about some of the programs and policies that are out there and some of the barriers that are holding those programs uh, back from, from uh, achieving their full potential. Yeah. And you know, Admiral Beasel and Admiral Coyne are two of our most active mission readiness members. We work a lot with them in the States and nationally. So it was really great to have them on, talk to them about these programs, but also hear a little bit more about what they've been up to in quarantine and the things like the books they've been reading. It was great to, to have that opportunity. So without further ado, let's get to that conversation. Here on the Mission Readiness Podcast, we're going to be doing some deep dives into federal nutrition programs that serve children, trends around the country, and ways that we can both strengthen those programs and our national security. Today, we're going to talk about WIC, the special supplemental program for women, infants, and children. In the weeks ahead, we'll feature several segments on the podcast that explore the program and dive deeper into how it helps provide recipients with access to proper nutrition. Here to explain more about why our military leaders care so much about this program are two of our most active longtime mission readiness members, retired Rear Admiral Bob Beasel, United States Navy, and retired Rear Admiral Casey Cohen, also U.S. Navy. Both admirals are members of Mission Readiness's Nutrition and National Security Speakers Bureau, and Admiral Cohen serves on the board of our parent, Council for Strong America. Gentlemen, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Thank you Ben. 
let's start out by introducing yourselves and your careers to our, our listeners. Uh, tell us about your careers in the Navy, how you became members of Mission Readiness, and what else has kept you busy in retirement. Uh, Admiral Beasel, why don't you start? Thanks, Ben. I appreciate the opportunity to be here today. Uh, most of my time in the Navy was spent in naval aviation. Uh, a good bit of that was uh, carrier-based and uh, some leadership roles. And later on, I, I uh, was able to command uh, two ships in the Navy, USS Savannah and the carrier USS America. Since retiring, I, I became, uh, uh, I worked in the federal government uh, in defense industry itself, uh, some small startup businesses, as well as uh, I'm an instructor at a local technical college here where I teach aviation maintenance courses, and I find that very fulfilling. I'm also a mentor at the Citadel, the Military College of South Carolina, for juniors and seniors who are looking forward to starting a new career, be it military or in business, and there are about 50 of us that provide assistance and mentorship. Mission readiness caught my eye shortly after I retired, and what what I really liked about it was the advocacy for the betterment of, of our youth of our nation, as well as opportunities to try to enhance their, their success in, in becoming uh, good citizens of the country. And Admiral Cohen, how about yourself? Well, again, thank you, Ben, for uh, having us both here with you today. I've been looking forward to this. Like Bob, uh, I was a naval aviator for many, many years. And uh, like Bob, the Navy sent me in a lot of interesting places around the world, particularly as a flag officer. Uh, spent a lot of time in the Middle East and all throughout the Mediterranean and so forth. Uh, but I want to mention the last tour that I had for a specific reason to this. Uh, I was the deputy commander of the new Naval Network Warfare Command in Little Creek, Virginia, and it was also Naval Space Command. And it was a fascinating tour, but the important thing is on any given day, we had literally thousands of really smart young Americans, uh, most of them in the United States in our command. We had some overseas, but we had them in Colorado and uh, Dahlgren, Virginia, doing uh, highly classified things in the space world. And then we had numerous folks around the country involved in the cyber world that we're hearing so much about today. These were incredibly talented, smart, young officers and enlisted members, and uh, they are a harbinger of the force that we have worldwide writ large today and the one we're going to have tomorrow. So when I finished my work with the Navy uh, and another civilian career, retired from that, uh, I ended up spending eight years in uh, the Washington, D.C. area as the executive director of the Association of the United States Navy. And one of the things that uh, uh, war organizations, war veteran organizations, CEOs and so forth do is you attend all the other uh, war veteran associations functions. And the Navy League's Sea Air Space Program was a, a must uh, attend for me every year. And I was at one such, such function when uh, Mission Readiness was hosting a little reception for retired generals and admirals. And so uh, the short end of that story is I think I was drafted. And uh, then a couple of years ago, I was drafted to be on the board of the council. And uh, so that's how I came to be here. Uh, I've also served on some other volunteer veteran boards over the years. 
And uh, I am a happily retired grandfather. And playing with young grandkids is now my avocation. Not not a bad way to fill the time, but we are we are of course grateful for your continued service to make service an opportunity for for young people uh, across the country. Um, now, as we've talked a lot about on the program, we see federal nutrition programs as really critical to ensuring that kids uh, grow up right, have a strong start, um, are prepared to succeed in school, avoid obesity and the health problems that come with it. Um, today, we're going to talk about WIC. Um, so, Admiral Cohen, I'd love you to start and tell us a little bit about the history of the program and why a couple of naval aviators are, are so uh, concerned about the future of, of, of WIC and how it plays into to mission readiness. Sure, Ben. Uh, that is a two-parter, so I'll take the first part first. Uh, WIC was really uh, initially established in 1972 as a pilot supplemental food program uh, aimed at, at improving the health of pregnant mothers, infants, and young children. And, and it came about because there was really a growing concern at the time that there was serious malnutrition among that group of our population, particularly in low-income areas. So that's how it began. It was finally signed into into law permanently in 1975. And uh, today, uh, WIC provides critical nutrition support to uh, pregnant and postpartum mothers, infants, and children. We know that that this sort of nutritional support uh, has reduced fetal deaths. Infant mortality rates have come down amongst families that have received this benefit. Uh, It's certainly improved the healthy growth of infants and children, uh, particularly those who were, frankly, suffering from uh, a lack of good nutrition in their communities. One of the things that we we see that that has accomplished is gradually over the years, uh, overall obesity rates in children over the last 10 years, say, has gradually come down uh, as a result, uh, when you look at those children that have received this program versus those that have not. Uh, and while it's, it, it's a slight decrease in obesity, that is in huge contrast to actually what's happening obesity-wise in the general population of children that age. So it's a real success story, I think. Uh, it also helps combat gestational diabetes. Uh, and the impact of that on children, and I had to kind of read up on gestational diabetes a bit. Uh, mothers that suffer that during pregnancy, typically we end up with an infant that is overweight and continues to be overweight. Uh, so having good nutrition for that, that pregnant woman has made a difference to those in, infants. Uh, women who get gestational diabetes often Uh, end up with type 2 diabetes later in life. So by virtue of the WIC support while they were pregnant, they actually end up in a better place many years down the road. So that's that's really important. We also know that WIC helps children get ready for school. And I think Bob will talk more about that. Uh, But we know from some tests and studies that have been done that Infants that have received this kind of nutritional support simply have better cognitive development, and that shows up before they get to school, and it shows up when they are in their early years of school. So it's, a, it's a, an important adjunct to our global or our, our country's uh, nutritional health. 
part two of your question is why does mission readiness really care about that? And for those of our listeners that may know something about mission readiness, for years now, the almost 800 retired admirals and generals of mission readiness have been concerned about our country's ability to continue to fill the ranks of our incredible all-volunteer force. And that's those, those extremely talented young men and women that I was talking about earlier. Um, we are particularly concerned because across the country, 72 to 73 percent of our 17 to 24-year-old population, which is the population that chooses to join the military, uh, are ineligible to join. And that's largely because of poor education, poor health, or in some cases, a, a criminal record. So we admirals and generals of mission readiness see that as a national security issue. And, and I, I really hasten to add that admirals and generals see national security in a bigger picture than just, do we have a good military? Uh, in order for us to compete in this, this highly uh, specialized and complex world that we're in, we need a population that is healthy and that is very well educated to give us the economic competition, uh, ability to compete economically. WIC is part of that because it ensures that uh, a lot of our nation's youth that are nutritionally disadvantaged don't get left behind. We simply can't afford to leave behind a segment of our uh, overall population uh, just because they're in a low-income place. Uh, that's part of national security. As Admiral Cohen mentioned, WIC was created in 1972. It was an amendment to the 1972 Child Nutrition Act. And that's legislation we've talked about for a long time at Mission Readiness because that legislation governs school meal programs. So uh, it, it's, you know, when you put it in that context, it's, you can really see that the program is literally an outgrowth of child nutrition programs originally supported by military leaders in the 1940s. Um, Admiral Beasel, let's talk more about the program and, and uh, who the program serves. Ben, the, uh, as the name suggests, the acronym WIC, uh, WIC serves three main groups, eligible low-income women, their infants, and children, and, and this include, would include women who are during pregnancy uh, and up to six weeks after birth of an infant or, or the end of the pregnancy are covered. Additionally, women who are postpartum for up to six months after the birth, birth of their infant uh, or uh, the end of the pregnancy are covered. Uh, additionally, breastfeeding mothers uh, are recognized as being very important, and they're covered up to the infant's first birthday. The infant themselves are covered up to the first birthday and the infancy being considered from birth through the 12th month of life. And then that carries into the, the C, the children then, so they kind of transfer from being infants into the children coverage, and they are covered up through the child's fifth birthday. Uh, hopefully by then, We've gotten them, uh, they're enrolled in a, some sort of early childhood education program, whether it's pre-K or K, and uh, that sustainment of this nutrition can be picked up through uh, the school lunch programs. Absolutely right, sir. And, and one um, policy priority for mission readiness, and I know we'll get into in a little bit, is for kids that do fall in, into to a gap, maybe aren't starting kindergarten until they're uh, 
closer to, to six years of age, um, that, that WIC might, uh, extend eligibility to ensure that, um, for the kids that are falling through the cracks, uh, they continue to, to receive that important support, but exactly, uh, WIC kind of the, 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 the launching pad for kids to, to get into, um, nutrition programs in, in other settings. So Admiral Colleen, how, how is WIC administered? Is it entirely by the federal government? Well, Ben, uh, it is, of course, a federal program, but like many federal programs, it really operates by providing grant monies to the states, and that allows the states to uh, provide supplemental food, health care referrals, and uh, nutrition education for the eligible uh, low-income households in their area. Now, during the pandemic, it's my understanding that USDA made some changes to WIC to increase consumption of fresh fruits and vegetables. Uh, that's something, that general principle is something we've talked a lot about here in the podcast. Um, Admiral Beasel, what, what, what happened uh, for, for WIC and fresh and nutritious vegetables? Well, ben, ben, yeah, you're correct in the, uh, there, there's been a, sl- a slight plus up here. The COVID relief legislation, which uh, became effective when the president signed it on the 11th of March of this year, uh, increased WIC benefits by up to $35 each month. And that, that's going to depend a little bit on the, how the states make that work, but that was authorized through that uh, signature of the president. This allows these beneficiaries, women, infants, and children, to continue to obtain uh, fresh fruits and vegetables, even though the rising uh, cost of those things was starting to make it uh, less opportune for for most of the uh, beneficiaries. There were some administrative changes too, not just monetary there, that allowed for uh, continued uh, remote registration. They didn't have to show up in person. That could be done telephonically. And it waived uh, some in-person health and nutritional assessments, those things, and could be submitted later uh, but it, it got people enrolled in the program and got them going. Uh, these ch- changes allowed more of these uh, of-need families to get to those fresh, nutritious foods that, the, that are going to serve their children uh, and their mothers very well through WIC. And uh, as you mentioned, uh, Mission Readiness believes that uh, we'll, we'll advocate for these benefits, these plus-ups and uh, measures to be continued past the end of this pandemic. Absolutely. And, and so in addition to trying to extend that provision, Admiral Cohen, what are our other policy priorities as an organization when it comes to WIC? Well, Mission Readiness has, has several, Ben. And, and to kind of piggyback on what Bob just said, we're, we're really interested in supporting uh, renewal and expansion of the program to those who are eligible. Uh, in my state in Georgia here, Today, we serve about 48.3% of the expected eligible population. So there's, there's room for improvement. And uh, Bob mentioned the, uh, the online or over-the-phone ability to sign up, and we encourage refinement of that process and continuation of that process. You know, one of the things the pandemic brought us was uh, the need to do things in a contactless way. And uh, so looking into that a little bit, what we found is now uh, using the phone, and of course, there are smartphones everywhere, one can take a picture of required documentation that, that 
belongs to this program and upload that documentation via their phone or, or over the internet via computer uh, systems and so forth. So people can get into this program if they're eligible without having to make a trip somewhere or to come in contact with other folks. So we wholeheartedly endorse the continuation of, of that sort of thing. Uh, Bob mentioned the age. So we really do support expanding the age group uh, up to the age of six. So as Bob suggested there, what that accomplishes is children that are receiving WIC nutritional benefits would be able to continue that benefit until the time that they are actually eligible to enroll in the school lunch program that, as you said, got this whole thing started. So we're absolutely behind that idea. Uh, and then improving the nutritional content of the WIC packages. And we may not have time here to get into the packages and what that really means, but there are different prescribed foods that WIC participants can purchase. And uh, we're in favor of encouraging local growers, grocers, and local retailers to be incentivized to get into this program. And that would allow a couple things. It would allow more local control of the program, uh, but it also would allow some adjustment for cultural and regional preferences with regards to foods in the packages, and all of that done, of course, within the National Nutritional Standard. So those are three main areas that we are wholeheartedly encouraging to, to work on. Well, thank you, sir. And our listeners, um, if they're interested, can go to strongnation.org to read our Mission Readiness Nutrition Roadmap document that uh, recommends a, a number of the changes that, that Admiral Cohen just mentioned and, and suggestions for other uh, federal nutrition programs beyond WIC as well. Well, gentlemen, I want to thank you both for joining us on the podcast today to talk about WIC and why mission readiness is so committed to addressing barriers to, to child food access. Before you go, I want to ask you a couple questions that we've enjoyed asking all of our guests over the last year on the podcast. Um, the, the first, where we are uh, coming out of the pandemic, um, some of us are still working from home. Some will continue to work from home, but a lot of us have developed new habits, hopefully positive in, in quarantine, um, that folks have begun to incorporate into their lives post-COVID. So as we begin to return to whatever normal looks like, uh, what is uh, one thing you picked up during quarantine that you intend to, to keep on doing uh, in, in your personal or professional lives? You know, I, it made me realize uh, through this pandemic and I wouldn't have thought it before, how much it meant to me uh, to be able to go to church. And I, I never would have thought that before. Uh, sitting here and watching a service or a liturgy or a mass on, uh, on Zoom or uh, some other format was okay, but something was really missing. And it was only recently here that the... Uh, the bishop here for the Diocese of Charleston lifted on most of these restrictions following along with CDC guidance and, uh, and allowed us to come back and uh, go to church uh, in our, our parish home. And um, it, that's been really nice over the last three weeks to be able to do that. I just didn't realize how much I missed it. Absolutely. No, I know a lot of, a lot of folks around the country grateful to be back 
worshiping in, in, in person. Um, Admiral Cohen, how about you? You know, I, I think I was fortunate in that I didn't have to change a lot of behavior being a retired guy. Uh, the coffee group that I, I get together with four or five days a week, uh, we started meeting out in a parking lot instead of in a building. And now we're back in the building uh, without masks because we're all vaccinated. So, you know, it wasn't too big a sacrifice. Uh, like most people, I know my wife and I have certainly enjoyed getting back to restaurants, uh, some local places that we always try to support. But by do it, doing it via takeout got a little tiresome. So but, you know, in, in terms of what I'm hopeful for in the future, really has to do with my grandkids. Uh, I've got two in North Carolina that did school all this last year, a private school, but did it all this last year through Zoom from their homes. And uh, so I'm looking forward to normalcy for those kids. Uh, my two grandkids here, one was in first grade and fortunately only lost one week due to a required shutdown due to, uh, you know, a positive test in the classroom. My uh, little granddaughter, who's in daycare, she uh, she lost two or three weeks during the year due to a positive test. So I guess what I'm really looking forward to is for them to have uh, school years that are uninterrupted. I think it's time. You know, I think we've talked a lot as a staff, you know, Zoom has been the, the, the quick adaptation of Zoom. Um, everybody's quick embrace of it has been wonderful to bring our members around the country together and others to participate in conversations. But um, after we observed a, a college class, we were invited to have some members speak at last year. We all said, we don't know how anybody could, could learn on zoom for eight hours a day <laughs> per year. So um, I, 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 I know a lot of people are, are <laughs> excited to be back in the classroom. Um, and finally question we ask everybody. What books have you been reading lately, Admiral Cohen? Well, I, I suppose, uh, you know, I read Peterson and Baldacci and some others for fun, but I'm, I'm really a fan of foreign policy and geopolitics. So I have always got a book, either one that's brand new that I'm looking at or that I'm rereading, and I've got a whole shelf full of, of those kinds of books here. Uh, it fascinates me. So... Let me offer four for your listeners. How's that? Uh, I've read four or five books, at least on China recently, but if I were recommending somewhere to start to understand China, Henry Kissinger's On China is the place to begin uh, to understand why they are who they are today and where they're headed. So that's important. Uh, the Storm Before the Calm by uh, George Friedman is an interesting geopolitical look at what America's politics are going to be doing in this current decade that we're in. Uh, the Absent Superpower by Peter Zeehan. He's, he's a geopoliticist in Texas that has written three books, and that's the middle of the three, but The Absent Superpower, I really liked that. And if you're interested in the military aspect of foreign policy things, how about The Anatomy of Failure? subtitled Why America Loses Every War It Starts by Harlan K. Ullman. That'll make you think. I think, I think the uh, a natural outgrowth of this podcast may be a book club very soon. <laughs> um, Admiral Beasel, how about you? 
Ben, I don't know that I've been as cerebral through the uh, pandemic as Casey has, but uh, I've been reading some code books. Uh, the uh, the first one, uh, The Hero Code by Admiral Bill McRaven, is a, f- a wonderful read. Uh, it's brief, and if you're looking for a gift for somebody who's in high school or college or maybe even late elementary school, this is one that they can keep and read and get something out of it. McRaven, as we all know, was the head of the Special Operations Command for three years, and after he left active duty, he ran down and ran, was the chancellor of the University of Texas system, and uh, he just writes really well. It's wonderfully readable. Ten character traits and virtues that make up his hero code, and it's a real tribute to the people that he's met, the everyday heroes uh, on the battlefield, in hospitals, and in college campuses. And the second code book is one that I've been reading over the last month. It's called The Obesity Code, uh, Unlocking the Secrets of Weight Loss. Uh, and it, it, it works. <laughs> uh, the, the author is Dr. Jason Fung, and he's a, a young a Canadian doctor and a nephrologist by education. But uh, he's dealt with so much kidney and uh, liver types diseases, he's become a, a diet expert. And he explains why uh, the intermittent uh, intermittent fasting is the key to controlling weight. He's both humorous, he's provocative, because this flies in the face of a lot of other diet uh, regimes out there. Uh, he promotes that obesity is not about calories, it's not about fat, it's not about exercise, but hormones. And uh, a little spoiler alert, the villain is insulin. And uh, it works. I'm testament to that. I've uh, been managed to uh, lighten the load here by about 15 pounds over the last four weeks. So uh, he also has a complimentary cookbook that comes with it. That hey, you like your chicken with the skin on? Have at it. You know, it's uh, eggs. Go for it. Uh, you know, if you can dedicate yourself, and it's not been hard to one meal a day. You know, this intermittent fasting, it's great stuff. So those are the two uh, that uh, that right there on my, uh, beside my chair. Well, gentlemen, I want to thank you again for coming on the Mission Readiness Podcast. We will absolutely be um, forcing you both to come back soon. So, so uh, we, we hope you, hope you enjoyed it. Hope you will come back soon. Thank you, Ben. Thank you. Absolutely look forward to next time. I thought that was an insightful conversation, Megan. Yeah, it was really interesting to hear you and Admiral Beasley and Admiral Coyne talk about how the WIC program actually grew out of the school lunch program. You know, we talk about the school lunch program a lot and how military leaders played a key role in getting it established. So it's interesting to know that the work that military leaders did to improve nutrition in this country actually led not only to the school lunch program, but also the WIC program. Absolutely, Megan. You know, really uh, an outgrowth of that push in the 1940s. Um, But, you know, our society has changed a great deal since the 1940s, and it's time to update and modernize these programs. Um, You know, as as we talked about, there's a real need to address a gap for for older kids who haven't started kindergarten yet. Folks can read about our solutions um, and our policy priorities and the Mission Readiness Nutrition Roadmap, which is on our website, 
at strongnation.org, of course. But uh, more guests coming up. Uh, looking forward to a conversation you're going to have soon on, on WIC. We're going to be exploring uh, more of these themes and more solutions in the weeks and months ahead. Well, on behalf of Megan and the rest of the team here at Mission Readiness, I'm Ben Goodman, and this has been the Mission Readiness Podcast. Thank you to our guests, retired U.S. Navy Rear Admirals Bob Beasel and Casey Cohen for joining us on today's program. For more about Mission Readiness, Council for a Strong America, or to find an archive of every episode of the Mission Readiness Podcast, visit strongnation.org. A reminder to subscribe to the podcast, give us a positive review, and tell all of your friends about the program. The show is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thank you for helping support our mission to help kids stay in school, in shape, and out of trouble. We'll see you next time.